A few weeks ago, we started a new sermon series entitled Why? And what we've been doing is we've been looking at um, some of the basic purposes or call calls that God has placed upon his church and upon his people to be involved with and in. For instance, we began with the topic of worship and we looked at Isaiah 6 and, and looked at the topic of worship and what's, what's involved in true worship and how do we go about doing that. Uh, last week, we looked at the topic of growth and looked at the passage from John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches and looked at how we can grow. The only way to really grow in Christ and produce fruit for him is to abide in him, to come out of a relationship with him and, and the call for us to grow and how to go about doing that. Well, today we come to the topic of, of service, of serving others and serving God. And, and since our... Um, our scripture passage today is so short, I'm going to read it again. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different today. I've asked people to do this in the past a few times in worship, but it's only been a number of times. It's been several years. It's based upon something that a seminary professor used to do when we were in school. And we would notice in chapel that when a scripture was being read, he would always close his eyes. And we asked him why. And he said because then he could focus and he could listen more fully and completely to God's word. And he would place himself in, in the scripture, in the story, and then try to identify uh, with, with the story. So I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and identify with the story. And But one caveat, uh, after the scripture is over, please open them back up, okay? Uh, you, you don't continue to do this during the message. All right, be, that would be nice. It would make me feel better. So, All right, so let's go. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, you can open your eyes. You, you can open your eyes. Okay, all right, it's good. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but how many of you, when, when you listened to that, identified with, with, with Martha primarily? I'm guessing quite a few of you did. Uh, this is a well-known story from the Bible, and, and many of you have heard, have heard it uh, in Sunday school or, or read it or heard it preached on, and, and typically... The way it's been presented to us, the way we've been conditioned to think of it is, is Martha's sort of the, the one who misses the point. She's the one who misses the big picture, the busybody who just can't be bothered, whereas Mary is kind of the heroine, the one to emulate, the one who gets the point. And there's a little bit of truth to that, but I, but I think it's not quite fair. And it's not quite that simple. It's not fair to, to Martha. And maybe the reason I say that is because my... Grandmother McHenry was a Martha. She wasn't a Martha. Her name was Gladys, but, but she, was, she was a Martha. She, she loved to, to, be a host, to, to be a host. She was, had the gift of hospitality, and she would lift, whip up these huge meals, feasts, actually. And so when we'd go to visit her uh, in Mountainville, um, we knew that we'd find at the table two of everything. There would be two meats, two fruits, two vegetables, two breads, two, two desserts, two salads, two of everything. And Grandma was the type of person, she was so excited to see you eat that you felt obligated to try at least one helping of everything. And so when you went, you had to bring your hunger, and you also had to wear extra loose clothing. She loved to entertain. 
She was a Martha. And Marthas are, are hard workers. Uh, they're like worker bees. They're always on the go getting the job done. When I brought Nancy home for the first time to meet my family, it was in August and it was sweet corn season. Sweet corn was ready to be picked. Uh, every year we would set aside a couple acres on the farm and we would plant all the sweet corn and then we'd invite family and friends to come in and get sweet corn and we'd always at least have two pickup bed fulls, full, just packed full of sweet corn and we would, we would work for a couple of days. We would shuck, we would boil, we would freeze the corn. And Grandma and Nancy happened to be working side by side in the kitchen for several hours and I, I knew Nancy had won her over when Grandmother pulled me aside and, and said, she's a keeper, she's sweet, she's pretty. And she's a hard worker, which was the biggest compliment of them all. Who are the Marthas that you know in your world? Maybe you yourself are a Martha. And thank God we have Marthas. Because if you want to get something done, who do you call? You call a Martha. You know, not much would get done around most churches without the Marthas of the world. They have the gift of hospitality, the gift of administration. They're the ones who clean up, who turn off the lights, who help in the nursery, who deliver meals. And if Martha were a Martin, he'd have the gift of service or help. He'd be ushering, mowing, fixing things. If you want to get something done and get it done right, you call a Martha. Now, Marthas have gotten kind of a bad rap over the years. They're often portrayed as somebody who's so task-oriented that relationships suffer. Someone who can't relax, a perfectionist who can make it uncomfortable for those around them. And we hear this story and we we instantly idealize, idealize Mary because we think, well, Mary got it right. Jesus, the Lord of the universe, shows up at her doorstep and she drops everything and she sits at his feet and she listens. But Martha just can't seem to relax. She can't enjoy herself because she has to be the hostess with the mostest. She misses what's most important. She can't see the forest for the trees. That's often how we hear this story. But I think Martha really wanted to serve. I think she loved Jesus and she wanted to serve him. I mean, it wasn't every day that 13 hungry men would show up at her doorstep. And so she was whipping up a meal, trying to make things perfect. And after all, this was a very big thing in Middle Eastern culture. In Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is a huge, huge thing. And so if she had not, had not served them and acted as a good host, her reputation would have, would have suffered. She would, it would have been a social faux pas. And so she's whipping everything up. And what's her sister doing at this time? She's just sitting down. Now, I'm guessing this is not the first time that these two sisters had disagreements. I mean, if you have more than one kid in your home, you know how this works, right? Mom, Dad, Joey's outside playing and I'm inside cleaning the room all by myself. And it's not just kids, right? You get together for family gatherings sometimes at the holidays. There tends to be one or two people who always end up in the kitchen, right? Doing all the dishes, cleaning everything up while everybody else sits and has dessert and has coffee or tea. So here's Martha, and she's running back and forth, busy, second in the kitchen, checking on things. And every time she passes the living room, she sees her sister just sitting there with the men. And so she probably began to clear her throat and maybe walk a little bit heavier, maybe make a little bit more noise in the kitchen, hoping that, that Mary would get the hint. But nothing happens. And she eventually reaches her boiling point and she blows off steam and she embarrasses her sister in front of Jesus. Because Martha fully expects that Jesus is going to do something about this, right? She's doing all this for Jesus. 
And so she expects him to, to tell Mary, get off your hiney and do something. But instead, Jesus gently chides Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. It makes me think of the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, now what's going on here? Is Jesus trying to teach us a lesson about being too busy? Or about time management? Or about simplifying our lives? Is Jesus saying the, the only thing needed is to, is to sit and listen and worship him? I mean, if that was the case, how would anything ever get done? What's this have to say about serving? Now, when reading and studying the Bible, it's always important to ask ourselves several questions. First, why is this passage included in the Bible? Second, how would the original hearers have responded to this when they heard it for the first time? How does this passage relate to the rest of the Bible? Does it build on certain themes or does it seem to be quite different or contradictory? And particularly when dealing with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's always good to ask, why did the author place the story where he did? Because if you look at the Gospels, uh, there's, all, there's similar stories. The stories are included, but sometimes they're placed in little different places in the Gospels. So take a look now, at um, again, at Luke 10. And, and what is the story that immediately precedes Mary and Martha? It's the story about the Good Samaritan. Okay, remember that story, right? Um, there's a, a man who's traveling, he's beaten and he's robbed and he's left for dead and he's laying there, hurt, wounded, he can't help himself and a, a priest comes along and he's too busy, he keeps, he keeps moving and then a Levite comes along, uh, he's a religious figure, he, he kind of stops for a second, but he keeps moving, he has, he has some excuses. And then a very unlikely hero comes by, a, a lowly Samaritan, a social outcast, comes by and he helps the man out. Now, you remember what prompted Jesus, to tell this story of the Good Samaritan, look at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in, in Matthew's gospel, when he tells this story, Jesus says, love the Lord your God, love the neighbor as yourself. These are the first and second greatest commandments. Love God and love others. And the reason that Martha is scolded and Mary is praised is not because Martha's desire, Martha's desire to, to serve and serve well is wrong, Jesus isn't saying to her, drop all ministry involvement, drop all service and consideration for others and, and just focus on me meditating and praying and worshiping. The reason Martha is chided by Jesus is because she's done something that we all tend to do. She's got her priorities in the wrong order. She's reversed the two greatest commandments. Look at Luke 10 again, verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In other words... Martha was allowing her service for Jesus to keep her from Jesus. The Greek word used for distracted here literally means to be pulled and yanked from different directions. And so we can think of this as sort of a tug of war in, 
and Martha is the rope. And, and the things that are yanking her around and jerking her around are good things, right? Service, hospitality, ministry. But the problem that she's making, she has here, is she's putting, she's putting the cart before the horse. She's putting service for God before devotion to him. And the result is predictable. She's frustrated. She's resentful. She's irritated. She's lacking joy. You see, if you get these two commands reversed, love God and love others, if you reverse them, your service for others will eventually become laborious, strained, and irritating, and it will change the nature of your relationship and interaction with Jesus. Verse 40, look what Martha does again. Martha does again. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So she questions Jesus' care for her, and she orders him to get on Mary's case. She had the loving your neighbor part down pat. But in loving her neighbor and in going and doing, she had let the other commandment slide. But they have to be done in the right order. Because if we try to love our neighbor our spouse, our child, our classmate, our boss, a coworker, whoever, out of our own strength, eventually we, in, we reach the end of our rope. It begins to feel like an obligation. We begin to resent that the other person doesn't pull their, their part of the, of the load. But when we love God and we let God love us, then we'll find ourselves renewed and rejuvenated as we love others from our love for Jesus himself. You know, the longer I'm in ministry, the, the more I see this true. Most people I know in ministry went into ministry because they wanted to serve people. They loved people. They wanted to help them. And, and, and most people in most churches get involved because they want to serve people. They want to help people. And that's good. But we must always remember this principle. When we reverse the two great commandments and emphasize loving others through service at the expense of loving God, we'll eventually become frustrated and lack joy in our service for others. It's a simple story, and there's a simple takeaway. You serve others best when you love God first. You serve others best when you, when you love God first. And time and again in the New Testament, we see Jesus setting this pattern for us when it says things like, Jesus got up early in the morning and went away by himself to pray. Jesus loved his Father. And then out of that relationship, out of that time with the Father, he went and ministered and served others. So how do we ensure that our service does not become a burden or an obligation, a duty? We love God first? How do you best lovingly serve your spouse or your kids? You love God first. How do we best love our, our boss or our co-workers, our employees, our classmates, our teammates, our, our neighbor or a stranger? We love God first. Oswald Chambers once wrote, beware of anything that competes with loyalty to Jesus Christ. And then he went on to say, the greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service for him. He's talking about the danger of reversing the two great commandments. Seminary professor Haddon Robinson tells a story. He says, when I was in seminary many, many years ago, a, a pastor came to our church or came to our campus to, to speak at chapel. 
And so he, he told the story that the, the speaker told the story of a couple in his church, a mother and a son. The, the father had died uh, when when the son had been very young and and the mother and son therefore developed a really close bond. And it was back in the days before TV. And so they would spend nights, the nights together. They would gather around the radio. They would listen to music. They would listen to this, the radio shows and they would read to each other. When he was in his early 20s, this young man met a young woman at the church. He fell in love with her and, and he decided to get married. It was during World War II, and housing in, in, in large cities was, was really difficult to find. And, and the mother knew they wanted to get married, so she said, well, I've got a two-story house. I'll live in the second story, and you guys can have the whole first floor. The only thing I ask is that, is that I get a chance to spend time with you because I'm going to miss our times together. And, and the son said, mother, you can be sure of that. Of course, uh, it's very important to me too. So the couple got married, and for a while life continued with the son dropping by a couple times a week to spend time, and then he got busy. And eventually days and actually weeks, weeks would go by with only a call from downstairs or maybe a really brief glimpse or visit. And the relationship became a little more distant and wasn't what it used to be. On the mother's birthday, the young man bought his mother a lovely dress, brought it to her and said, Happy birthday, mother. She opened the box, looked at the dress and said, Oh, thank you. I appreciate so much what you've done. And he said, Mother... I can tell you don't like it. Oh, oh yes, I do. It's my color. It's, 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 it's nice. Thank you. Mother, I have the sales slip. I, I, I can take it back and return it. She says, she, said, we've known the, she says, no, it's a lovely dress. And he said, no, we've known each other too long. You're not fooling me. What's wrong? And so she walked to her closet, opened it up, and she said, son, I have enough dresses here to last the rest of my life. I guess all I want to say is I, I don't want your dress. I just want... I want more time with you. Now, God wants our service, and he calls us to serve others in his name. Love and service for others is an essential part of what it means to love God. But when we reverse the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, when we reverse those two, all the service in the world isn't enough for God. And God says to us, just like the mother, I... I, I want you, before you serve, before you go, before you minister, come and, and sit at my feet for a while. Spend some time with me. You know, the, our mission statement here at the church is, is to go deeper in Christ and further in mission. And it's tied into the two great commandments. To, to, to go deeper in relationship with Christ, to love God more and more and more. And to go further on mission for him, to, to love our neighbors as, as ourselves, to go out into the world and, and to do service and ministry in Christ's name. But we must always begin with a deeper in Christ. We must always do our work and our service out of a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because when we get them reversed, when we get them reversed, we, we begin to lose our joy and our effectiveness for Jesus. So in conclusion, the story is a very simple story, but the point is simple but yet profound. We serve others best when we love God first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to go and to serve. But first, Lord, you call us to spend time with you. You call us to put you first. Lord, that can be difficult to do because we're busy people. There's lots of good things to do. 
lots of good people to help. Uh, Lord, but as we go and as we do, help us, Lord, to keep the great commandments in the right order. To love you first. And then out of that love that you have for us and us for you, then help us to go and to love others as you have loved us. We thank you, Father, for just the joy and the privilege and the call that you place upon us to represent you in this world. So, Lord, help us remember that we serve others best when we love you first. We thank you, Father. Help us to be the servants you've called us to be. Through Jesus. Amen.